0: Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. I am so glad you're here. My name is Ben. I'm the pastor of this place. And if you're a guest, we are especially, especially glad that you're here. In just a minute, I'm going to begin our message. And your message notes are found in the flyer that was on your seat that looks like this. You can begin to pull those out. But what I wanted to do before we actually jump into that all the way is I wanted to ask you a simple question. And I'd like for you to turn to your neighbor and take about 10 seconds and answer this question. All right, five seconds each. What do you hope to get Christmas. Would you go ahead and talk about that with your neighbor for about 10 seconds? What do you hope to get? Oh, you sound good. I heard money over here. I heard a car over here. Yeah, it's really good. Hey, around here, at Four Corners, one of the things that we're doing at Christmas time, a lot of us are hoping to make a difference in the world. Sure. We want all the gifts that you want as well. I have some things on my list that I'm hoping are under the tree already or that Santa's going to bring me on Christmas day. So I've got my list, but one of the things that my family's doing and a lot of folks around here who call this place home are doing is we're hoping that this Christmas we can make a difference literally around the world and in our own community. So at the end of this service, we won't take a lot of time for this. We're going to give you, if you call this church home, and if you're our guest, you're welcome to participate. We're going to give you a chance to give in an offering. We don't make a big deal about that around here. But tonight, I wanted you to know that every dollar you give goes to one of four places. Uh, Every dollar gets divided up into four areas tonight. All right. So we have a church and orphanage in Kerala, India, that for seven years we've been investing in. We built a girls' home. We're now about to build a home for boys. There are 50 girls who are now, or 50 orphans, 40 girls, 10 boys, who are now living with safety and security and education and food that did not have that. These girls would have ended up on the street. They would have probably ended up in human trafficking. And they, because of the generosity of this church, they now have a home. They get education. And we're going to expand that place. So when you give tonight, it goes to that. Another thing that we're doing with the offering that you give tonight is in our Church family, there's a group that has started a ministry called Uh, Seven Oaks Farm miniature therapy horses And they are literally right now on their way to California Making stops all along the way At Ronald McDonald House At Veterans Hospitals At hospice facilities And they're taking these little cute therapy horses Miniature ones like this About the size of a big dog And they go in there and they bring hope And they bring good news And uh, just a warm face and a smile And our church is a strategic partner with them So when you give tonight it will go there as well we also are investing deeply in families in our own community. Our church pays for marriage and family counseling for people who can't afford that. We get them professional counseling. So when you give, it'll go to that. And then the fourth area where your are offering will go tonight at the end of the service. And we don't want to talk about it then, so we're doing it now. It will go to expand our children's ministry right here in our own facility. We're out of room in preschool and we're out of room in a lot of spaces. And so we're going to spend a good portion of money this year. And when you give tonight, that's where that goes. So if for some reason, you know, you think churches are all about money, we want to you to have a crystal clear picture of where the money was going to go if you give tonight. And so again, if this is your home church, please support that. If you're a guest, you can ignore everything I said. But right now, what I'd like you to do is turn your eyes to the screen, and we're going to get our passage that we're going to look at tonight. So go ahead, take a look at this video. That night, there were shepherds staying in their fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I bring great joy to all people. Yeah. the savior yes the messiah christus their here su salvador que es cristo jesus ora ve and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. To those with whom God is pleased. To those with whom God is pleased. When my kids were little, and they were toddlers or just about to begin school, and Jill and I were parenting them, we were able sometimes to just tell them very directly what to do, and on occasion, they would do it. Because they were little, they didn't need a lot of instruction, they didn't need a lot of the background. They were little, and we would say things like, don't play in the street, and mostly they wouldn't. Or we'd say, don't hit your brother, and mostly they wouldn't. We could be very clear with what we wanted them to do, and largely, that was enough but then they grew up and they went into middle school and what used to work didn't work anymore. What we learned as our kids begin to grow up, get in middle school and high school. And now I have one that just graduated college. What we learned is telling them what to do used to be enough. But as they got older, we started having to explain to them a little bit of the why behind what we wanted them to do. In fact, We're glad to do that because what I wanted my kids to know was not just what to do because there's going to come a time in life when they're not going to be around me and I won't be there to tell them what to do. Now, let's be clear, I will be. I plan on being there for a long time. But what I really want to have happen is the things that we're trying to get them to do, I want that to get internalized in them. I want them to understand why we do and don't do certain things. The question why is a much deeper and fuller question question than the question what. What to do gives us a certain amount of direction, but understanding why gives us an internal sense of direction. Tonight, we're gonna talk about the what and the why of Christmas. The what and the why of Christmas. And the passage that you saw on that little video in Luke chapter 2 and also at the top of your message notes inside the flyer right here, that passage gives for us in direct language the what God did for us on Christmas. Now I know many of you have been around church for a while and you kind of know this. And so go with me down memory lane for a few minutes if that's what you need to do. For those of us who aren't fully versed in what really happened at Christmas today, I hope will open your eyes. But when we get done with the what, we're only halfway done. Because what we want to do is not just understand what happened, we want to understand why. I want to give you the gift of why today, so that no matter where you go from here, wherever life takes you, you don't know just what the twinkling lights at Christmas represent, or a Christmas tree, or a nativity scene. You don't just know the what, but you understand why God did what he did at Christmas. So Luke chapter two is the story of those shepherds living out in the field and they were keeping watch over their flocks and all of a sudden an angel and the word angel in our Bible simply means messenger, messenger. A messenger from God shows up and says to them, don't be afraid. That's why we sung that song a little bit earlier about not being afraid. Don't be afraid. That's one of God's most frequently used statements when he talks to people. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. So don't be afraid. I have some good news for you. So what did God do? There on your message notes, he gave us the gift of Jesus. He gave us the gift of Jesus. And all through the Bible, we get hints at this what? We get it in a big way right now at Christmas in the story in Luke chapter 2, or perhaps in your Bible in Matthew chapters 1 and 2, you get a lot of the story of Christmas. But even in other parts of the Bible, like 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, we get a little hint at the what God was doing at Christmas. So there in your message notes, this is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That's what God did. He sent his one and only son. So the twinkling lights and the Christmas tree and the presents that hearkened back to the presents that the wise men brought Jesus, all of that, here's what it was all about. It was God sending his son into the world. It's a pretty amazing gift. It's a pretty amazing gift that God gave us. And for a few minutes, I want us to unpack a little bit about what this gift is. And right there in our passage, there's a few key words that jump out and begin to show us with clarity preciousness and the beauty of this gift that God gave when he sent Jesus. It shows us exactly what's going on. So number one there on your message notes, God's gift that he gave in Jesus, the blank there is it's personal. It's personal. The the, uh, angels told the shepherds, I bring you, I bring you. Now that you that the angels used was the plural you. You know how in English, you can be both singular and plural. It was plural. So it meant the whole group of shepherds there, but it was much bigger than that. It was the whole world. So it was plural, but in one real sense, it's also singular. God brought each individual shepherd in our story, the good news, the gift of Jesus, but not just them. He brought to us that gift. I remember as a little kid sitting around the Christmas tree with my dad and mom, my three siblings and Christmas was always a big deal at our house. And we read the Christmas story and we got to this passage and my dad looked around the room and he said to my older sister, unto you Kim has been born a savior. And looked at me and unto you has been born a savior. My younger sister, Glenna, unto you has been born a savior. My younger brother, Greg, unto you has been born a savior. And for the first time as a middle school kid, I began to understand that it's not just a story about other people, but the you in this story, it's personal for me. And for us to understand fully what God was doing, I think we have to personalize it a bit. It was to you. It was also to everybody else, but we'll get to that in a second. Number two, God's gift is personal positive. You can write that word in the blank. So when you take these homes, you can remember God's gift is positive. When we understand what God was doing in the world, one of the things that becomes crystal clear is that God was doing something very positive. That's why the angel said in Luke chapter two, verse 10, good news that will cause great joy. Good news that will cause great joy. Jesus coming into the world, it's good news. It's good news for every little boy and girl right now because we still celebrate his birthday and they get some gifts, that's good news. Low level, good news. It's good news because we all get a little time off, or at least I hope you do, I do, I'm looking forward to it. Love my job, but I'm looking forward to not working for a few days. Can I get a Presbyterian amen? Just shake your head like this, yeah. Yeah, it's good news. Of course that's not what we're talking about though, right? We're talking about the fact that God sent a savior into the world to bring good news to a world that can be broken. And I know it's Christmas and we're all supposed to be positive and smiley, but I bet in this room, if we were completely honest, even though the lights are twinkling and the tree is decorated and we're doing all the holiday stuff, I bet you some of the brokenness of this world is still alive in a lot of our lives. So when we come to Christmas, one of the what's we have to remember Is that Jesus coming into the world means that there's good news no matter how dark and bleak and broken your world is. That's why when we get done this evening, we're going to light a candle and the light's going to go across this room. It represents the light of the world that is Jesus. And it's really good news. And if your night is a little bleak and dark right now, I have good news for you. Because Jesus has come. Your story's not over. It's not over. The final chapter hasn't been written. Jesus coming to this world means very good news for us. And then number three, God's gift to understand it fully, to make sure we know what he did, it's universal. It's universal. Luke chapter 10, the final part of that verse says, this gift of good news will be for all the people. That's why I like the video that we looked at for our text this evening. Multiple nationalities, no matter male nor female, young or old, no matter what color, God's gift, what he was doing was giving a gift to the whole world, every single person. And it was an expensive gift. It cost him a lot. The Bible says that God sent his only son. We're going to look at that passage in a second. It was a very precious gift. It was precious because it was personal positive, and universal. And you may know all that in some real tangible way because you've been exposed to this story before. But I wonder how long it has been, if ever, the big what that God was doing at Christmas touched your heart. Do you understand that God loved us so much that if we had needed a doctor, if we were sick, God would have sent a doctor? And if we had needed financial bailing out, God would have sent us maybe an economist. And had we needed a sense of direction, a place to go, God may have sent us a travel agent. There's a lot of things that God could have done for us, but he knew that we were broken in a way that we couldn't fix ourselves. The Bible calls us sinners, that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. So because of that, the good news was that he sent us a savior that said, you can't fix yourself, But I'll give you a gift that you can accept that'll fix the most broken things in you. And ultimately, he began a story where he was going to fix ultimately the entire world and all the brokenness of the world. That's the big what. But like I learned with my younger kids as they got older, sometimes what by itself doesn't speak as strongly and definitively as it could. As they got older, they needed some whys. And I wanna take a few minutes to discuss with you why God did this. Why did he send Jesus? And we can land on a couple of simple answers and they would be true but not complete because he loved us, because he wanted to. But I want us to peel back the veneer a little bit and peer a little more deeply into this gift that God gave us and ask a deeper question. Why did he do it? And in a phrase, here's our answer. He wanted to show us how to have life with him how to have life with God. Now, there are two big questions that I want us to ponder as we look at the why question tonight. Here's the first one. What do you need to know to have life with God? What do you need to know to follow Jesus? And what do you need to do to follow Jesus? When we explore the why God sent his son into the world, the answer to those two questions are gonna become plain. And here's why we're doing this on Christmas. See, I think that what God began to do when he sent his son in this world is a powerful story. And as I've said, it's not over. And I would hate for you to go through this holiday season and not understand exactly what God hoped to have happen as you unwrap the gift he gave you. I'd like for you to be able to leave here tonight, whether you accept it or not, whether you believe it to be true or not for you, I'd like you to at least know the answer to the questions. What do I have to believe? What do I have to know? And what do I have to do to have the life with God? If why he sent his son was so that I could have a life with him, well, what do I have to know? And what do I have to do to have it? And whether you agree with it or not, I'd like you to understand from the Bible how to answer those questions. And to do that, we're going to go to one of the most favorite and famous passages in the Bible. And you can go to sporting events and see it. Tim Tebow will have it written under his eyes. It's John 3.16. All right. Well, he doesn't play much anymore, does he? when he was playing. John 3.16. Here's what John 3.16 says for us. It gets to the why of Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That question is as much a Christmas verse, or that verse is as much a Christmas verse as the story in Luke chapter two with the shepherds. Luke chapter 2 tells us what happened, but John 3.16 tells us why. Because God loved us. And so the blank there that I want you to fill in and for us to explore for a minute is that God loved, and because he loved, here's our blank, God gave. God loved, so God gave. God loved, so God gave. There are a lot of things that people try to answer the question, what do you need to know and what do you need to do in order to have a relationship with Jesus? There's a lot of things that they try to answer that question with. There are a lot of ways that people have thought about trying to answer the question, how do I have life with God? How do I become a Christian? How do I follow Jesus? There's a lot of ways people have tried to answer that. But tonight, using this verse, you're going to have great clarity. Because the truth of the matter is, is that it doesn't matter what your background is, what your country is that you're from, whether you have a dysfunctional family or a pretty healthy family, whether you're married or single or divorced, everybody can understand this basic simple principle that explains why God created Christmas to begin with. And the beautiful thing about this story is, is that it's not that complicated, even though preachers like me have made it very, very complicated even though we've muddied it up a bit. So the difference of tonight's conversation is is that you'll be able to use a handful of words and answer the question, why did God do this? And what do I need to know and what do I need to do in order to have a relationship with him? Now, I wanna be clear, what I'm gonna share with you tonight is very basic to the Christian faith. There's still a lot of questions about the faith that we're not gonna answer tonight. In fact, the Bible is a very complicated book at times. But the story we're telling tonight, the why behind Christmas, is actually very simple. And it doesn't matter, again, your background or where you're coming from, or if you have deep, committed thoughts about evolution and creation, or if you understand whether it's pronounced Malachi or Malachi or Job or Job. doesn't matter. None of that matters, right? Well, it matters, I guess, to some degree, but not to our question. It doesn't matter if you're anticipating a blood moon because of some connection in the book of Revelation, or if you have questions about whether dinosaurs and how they got on the ark and all that stuff, none of that matters to answer the question, why did God do Christmas the way he did it? And when we answer it, we're gonna know the answer to the questions, what do I need to know and what do I need to do? And the other good thing about this is, because the gift is universal, the way we answer this question is the same for everybody. A lot of times people have said to me, Ben, it doesn't feel like God's fair. Like why does this happen over here? and why did that happen over there, and why did this happen to me? And I get it. Our personal experiences sometimes can make us feel like God's not very fair at times. But the beautiful thing about why God sent Jesus at Christmas when we fully understand it is that it applies to everybody in the exact same way. It doesn't matter your background, how religious you are, what you've known before you walked in this room, what you'll know after you leave this room. The answer to this question is the same for every single person on the planet. So the most familiar verse in the Bible says that for God, so loved the world that he gave, God loved, God gave. So what did he give his one and only son? The story began in a manger, but it ended as we sung on a cross, or at least it appeared to end that way. But three days later, the Bible says that Jesus was raised from the dead. Again, that's a a big statement. That doesn't happen very often. You know, the death rate among humanity still hovers at about 100%, right? None of us are getting out of here alive, right? And so when the story of Jesus dying is told in the Bible, it feels like a finish. But in many ways, it was really the beginning. So God loved and he gave his one and only son who came and gave his life lived among us. He put on human flesh and lived among us because he loved us. He gave his one and only son who lived among us, who gave his life on a cross, but it didn't stop there. He was resurrected from a tomb. This is the core of the Christian message. And I want you to understand it because I know this in my experience. A lot of people have rejected Christianity, rejected faith, but what they rejected was actually a false impression of what our faith really was. We're clearing all that up tonight. Our faith is not about rule keeping. Although when you follow Jesus, there are some very strong rules that God wants his followers to do because he wants us to love people the way he loved them. And so he tells us how to do that but it's not about the rules. Our faith is not about a tradition. It's not about whether there's a particular name over the door that you worship at or not. Our faith is not about whether your family has it together or not together. Our faith at the end of the day is about a savior who was born in a manger, gave his life on a cross and was resurrected from a tomb. And so if you're gonna reject Christianity, make sure you reject the actual story of Christianity. Don't substitute some pretense. Here's what I know. I know that human beings who call themselves Christians, they're likely to let you down. In our orientation class for this church, when new people come and I get a chance to talk to them, one of the first things I say is, if you stay around long enough, I'm gonna disappoint you. Please don't build your faith on me. But a lot of people have hurt in their life from other Christians, and it causes them to reject Christianity. But they really haven't rejected Christianity, they've rejected what they thought Christianity was about, which was faith in a person or people who call themselves Christians. Or they've tried really hard to be good and they realized they can't do it, and so they reject Christianity. But they didn't really reject Christianity, they rejected a false impression of what Christianity is about. Christianity is really about a God who loved us and sent his son, as a gift to this world, a personal gift to you that is good news and not just to you, but to everybody. So God loved and God gave. That, that verse, John three sixteen, gives us another impression beyond just God loved and God gave. So we're on our next blank. If God loved and God gave, then we can believe and we can receive. We believe, we receive. God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. So what do you have to believe? Well, you have to believe this story about Jesus. You don't necessarily have to believe all the stuff, all the questions that people have. Where did Adam and Eve's children find their wives? Did Adam have a navel? I don't know. When is Jesus coming back? What are the secrets of the Bible? And if we figure out the Bible code, you don't have to know any of that stuff. I don't know half of that stuff. But what I know is, is that God loved the world, so he gave his one and only son. And if we believe in the work of Jesus, the, the, the truth about Jesus, that he came, that he gave his life on a cross, that he was resurrected from an empty tomb, if we believe that, then we can receive the full impact of the gift that God wants to give us. God loved, God gave, we believe, we We receive. That's the core of our faith. That's the Christianity of the Bible. That's what at Christmas time, churches all over this world are trying to get back to because we know that layer upon layer of muddiness and murkiness about what we're really about happens. And you can drive by the nativity scenes and get a sense of what it's about. The what. You can even read the Christmas story on Christmas morning like I'm going to encourage you to do out of Luke 2 and get a sense of the what. But you're adults. You need to understand why God did it. And I'm calling you today to think about the clear message of what the Bible calls the gospel or the good news. That God loved you enough that even though you were broken and couldn't fix yourself, he sent his son as a savior to fix what you couldn't fix. And he sent that savior to the entire world, which includes you, It includes your son or daughter, your neighbor, your friend. It includes you. And if you'll put your trust in that Jesus, if you'll believe him, you can receive the gift of life with God. And if you do that, the why of Christmas is not just a thing out here intangible that you know about. The why of Christmas is a thing that becomes a part of your life. Now, when I talk about trusting and believing, I don't mean just understanding it. We're trying to fix some of that with this conversation right now, the understanding. I'm talking about something a little deeper and I don't like to ever talk about faith without having a chair here. When I talk about faith, I'm talking about trusting something. When I talk about believing Jesus, I'm talking about trusting him fully. And I can all day long say, I trust this stool. I trust this stool. I trust this stool. I can do that all day long. And in some sense, I trust it. But that's not the kind of belief or trust that John 3.16 is calling us to. The kind of belief or trust that John 3.16 is calling us to is if Jesus really is the gift of the world that can fix what I can't fix in myself, I'm gonna trust it fully. And to do that, and I pray to God this chair doesn't break because it'll ruin my illustration. (laughs) To do that, I have to sit in it. Now I trust the chair. There are times in my life I trusted the chair. There are times in my life I trusted the chair. There were times in my life I trusted the chair. But what Christmas gives us an option to do is to trust the work of Jesus. A work that you can't do, I can't do, can't fix it myself, you can't fix you. But because a Savior was born in a manger on that night, good news that is personal. Good news that is very, very positive for us. Good news that's universal, which means you're not exempt. You get to have access to that gift too. Because of that, we can trust the work of Jesus and receive this gift into our lives. You know, the Bible's complicated at times. But salvation or life with God or following Jesus, it's really not. And I know we make it complicated, and perhaps it's been complicated for you, but no more. Now, there's a lot more you can know about God. We're just really beginning with the story we're telling right now. There's a lot more you can know, and there's a lot more to discover. A relationship with God is a whole lot like a river. You can walk to the bank, put your feet in, and get kind of cooled off and play at the river's edge. And that's good. You're in the river. Or you can go in deep. Get out in the deep water. That's kind of what faith is like. But if you leave this room today, I want you to at least have an expectation, a knowledge that you can carry with you about what really is going on at Christmas. God sent his one and only son so that whoever would believe could have the life with him, eternal life with him. That's the why of Christmas. That's why when you open gifts a couple days or maybe your family does it tomorrow evening and you open gifts, it's a shadow. It's a picture of Christmas. Really connects with the what, with the story of the wise men. But I want you to find some time to reflect on the why. That's why really our whole church has this service. Every Christmas is Eve Eve because we'll get caught up in stuff and all the what we have to do, and we'll forget the why. And we'll go through an entire season and never stop to think about why God extended his love towards me while I was still a sinner. He loved me. It's why we want our friends and neighbors to not just look at us, not just think about their experiences with Christianity out there, We want to come together once in a while and have an important conversation to get down to the foundation of the bedrock of our faith, which is God loved, so God gave. And we believe and we receive. And whether you agree with me about that right now or not, I'd like you to just for, you know, humor me, to just repeat it with me. All right? So we're going to do it together. God loved. Will you say it? God loved, so God. God gave, say it, God gave. Let's do this next part together. We believe, so we receive. That's the gospel, friends. And there's a lot more we can get to, but every Christmas tree points back to this. Every wrapped gift points back to this. Every blinking Christmas light points back to this. Every Christmas song at its root is the story of good news of a Savior who came to this world So that we could have life with God. And what I'd like to do right now without a whole lot of moving around or not a lot of guilt. I'd like to give you a chance to put your trust in Jesus if you haven't already done that. And for some of you that used to kind of follow this path that God laid out for you. But it's been a long time. Tonight's a really good time to kind of come back home to that core of our faith. And maybe it was your behavior or a hurt or some church disappointed you or something muddied the message along the way. Maybe all that's true for you, but tonight with greater clarity, I'm wondering if you wouldn't like to receive the gift of God's love and life that he offers you. And here's how we do it around here. We just offer up a prayer. There's no magic in the prayer, but in a prayer we talk to God and we say something like this, God. I want to receive the gift of Jesus in my life. I can't save myself. I can't be good enough. Not anything I can offer you, but I'll give you my life. And because you loved me and you gave, I'll believe you and receive. And what I'd like to do right now is have everybody bow their heads, and close your eyes. I'm not gonna have you raise your hand. Anything like that? You don't have to stand up, nothing like that. But I'm wondering if I pray you could use my words or perhaps your own and say to God, I wanna receive the full gift of Christmas, the why it is here to begin with. Let me pray for us. Father, all around this room, I'm asking that you would show us in deep ways the why behind Christmas. and we get past the uh, cultural expressions. We get past religious tradition and we get down to bedrock on why this Christmas thing even exists at all. That you love this world and you sent your son. You love this world. You gave. And Father, I pray for every person in this room that the truth of your love is becoming real to them in new ways right now. I pray, Father, that that love that you have for us would spark them to believe you. Not in some sense of understanding all of the Bible, but the simple belief that Jesus is your gift to this world. Your gift of a savior. And they would receive the salvation that you have for them right now. In effect, they would say, God, I'm a sinner, save me. Wash away my sin, fix my life. I want you to be in charge. I'm gonna do my best to follow you. We pray this Lord, in your name, amen.